issues, things that I've perceived and things that fall into God's Word, things that the Holy Spirit lays in my heart as to how to apply this passage to our lives and, and to live the kind of lives and have the kind of marriages and relationships that we're supposed to have. Before I forget, though, I wanted, and this has nothing to do with the subject, I wanted to introduce Alice Olson. Raise your hand, Alice. And Laurie Martin. Raise your hand, Laurie. These are uh, Aaron's grandma and mother. So y'all need to welcome them. They're, they're all the way from Wisconsin today. And I also want to welcome our Ron and our Sandra that have returned. Y'all give Ron a hand. He's the only guy I know that has survived COVID twice, even while having Parkinson's disease, and, and plowing ahead and moving forward. And the beautiful thing about this congregation, you know, if you're kind of new here, you think, well, everybody knows everybody. They don't. We're all coming in. It's a very fluid thing in a congregation, isn't it, Mike? People come and they go and you think, well, I'm new and no one said hello to me. Hey, both people on each side of you were new. Okay. So you say hello because you're, if you've been here four times, you're now the old timer. So I'm pointing out some of our visitors. It's their fourth time. But there are some old friendships here. And Doug Taylor over in the corner, and I'm not going to put this green thing in his eye. And Ann Ron have been friends since high school. And I'm not going to say how long ago that was, but it was just after the Civil War, right? <laughs> so anyway, we're, we're proud of those kinds of relationships. But today... We started Wednesday on, I picked on the wives. It was wives respect, wives submit to your husbands. We talked about that Wednesday. It hurts sometimes because we think, oh, no, I've messed things up so badly in my life or in my former six marriages or five or four or three. You know, we're, we are a group of broken people here. Amen. That's what we are. And God never gives up on us. And now I feel like I'm, I'm getting into what I'm supposed to be saying. Today, we're going to talk about husbands loving your wives. But before we do, we're going to read God's word. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. This is the NASB. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. Is it raining? Oh, it sounds so pretty. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. You go, wow, I don't know if I can do that. Well, wait till we get to our part. Husbands, here it goes. Love your wives as Christ also loved the church. Thank you, Dr. House, for this green. If anybody gets out of line in here, I'll just point this at your eyes and press it. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present himself, the church, in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, and this is kind of a favorism, summing it all up, listening to everything that I've said, Paul says, each individual among you also is to love his wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. May God bless the reading of his word. 
Wednesday night, we talked about wives submitting to husbands, and we talked about how marriage is not a competition. When I give marital advice, I, I tell people over and over, it's not a competition. Item number two, marriage is not a competition. Advice number three, marriage is not a competition. Because if you feel that it's a competition, it gets real ugly real quick. And I'm going to talk about some stuff today that's very personal to me and Sandy, which I don't usually do. But it will help you, maybe Aaron and Stephanie, to not make some of the mistakes that I made along the way. All right? Wives are to complete their husbands, not compete with their husbands. The world says, go out and compete. You're not to compete. We're to complete one another in reality. That's what a good marriage is all about. Sandy and I got married, and I thought it was fantastic. Two years, we, you know, we moved to Texas. We left old North Carolina that didn't have anything going. We came to Texas where it was all happening, and I loved it. And after two years, I told her, I said, isn't this great? She goes, no, not really. She said, I've cried for two years. She said, I just miss home. I miss seeing trees. I miss seeing beautiful things. I'm stuck in a city. She didn't say this. She was stuck in Houston, Texas in an apartment complex. She never lived in an apartment. I thought we, we were doing great. Sandy was miserable, okay? The only thing about Houston, Texas that she loved was me. And that's the only thing that kept her there, right? That's it. She would go to the supermarket. The people seemed. Okay, here, here we go. What? She says, what kept me here is I knew that God had put me here. You need, everybody needs to amen that, all right? After about 15 years, the wheels began to come off. We had made a pact. Never in the entire time that we were married did we use the D word. And I don't mean damn. I mean divorce. I never pulled it out on her like a card. She never pulled it out on me like a card. She never beat me up with the D word. We decided that God had put us together and we weren't going to let man put us asunder. We made a decision that no matter how bad it got, we would submit ourselves to God and say, God, help me to do this because I can't do it on my own. You cannot have a biblical marriage on your own. You cannot have it without the Holy Spirit in the center of it. Amen. It is not going to happen. 15 years came, I thought, I need some help. And, you know, she would want to go to a counselor, and I wouldn't want to go, and then I'd want to go to a counselor. She wouldn't want to go. It kind of bounced around, and somebody told me, you need to get a book called His Needs, Her Needs. I have three copies in the back if you want to read it. Basically, in this book, the Christian author, Harling, proposes that the thing cutting away everything else that's most important to a woman. He takes like five or six priorities. He says, really and truly, at the bottom of it all, it's, it's security and safety. That a woman has to feel safe and secure in a marriage or the wheels come off. And if the husband doesn't provide that feeling of safety and security, she begins to have withdrawals from his love bank. That's how Harley calls it. A man's greatest need, and the funny thing is, I didn't know that was Sandy's greatest need. I thought maybe it was flowers, or maybe it was me getting to work and getting things done, okay? 
And I was surprised when we began to read that the things that I thought were top of the list weren't even maybe on the list. That's how disconnected I was with what she needed. I thought, is this real? She goes, yeah, it's real. Is this how you feel? Yeah, it's how I feel. So you've got to be kidding. And the thing that a man needs most, believe it or not, ladies, is respect. And it's kind of a weird deal. I mean, if men are not respected by their wives, the love goes away. It's just that simple. It begins to go away. Intimacy is broken. There's no longer that closeness, and things come apart. So I repented. I didn't worry about her repenting. I repented to the Lord of the things in our marriage that I had not tended to. I told you all this was going to get real personal. We knew we weren't going to get divorced because that was not an option. We had never said the word. We still have never said the word in our home. It's not an option for us. So we began to look at it. And I thought, how can I create security for this wife? On the respect side, here are a few basics. I didn't know where to fit them in, so I'm just going to throw them out there. Number one, just because the wife's told to submit doesn't mean she's inferior, all right? We are joint heirs in Christ. It is a partnership in the real sense of the word. It is a completeness where God puts a man in together, a man and a woman together to help them be all that they were meant to be in the context of marriage. A wife may be more capable than a man at running things. That was the way in my home. I've never balanced our checkbook. I've never paid the day-to-day bills. Okay, I was good at making money, but I couldn't keep up with it. And God gave me a woman that knew how to keep up with it. I didn't have to worry about that, okay? So I, I, she did those roles, but I was still the leader of the home. Can you all understand that? Because our talents, and we talked about probably the way you and Karen, I imagine you, Scott, and Karen probably operating a lot of the way me and Sandy did. You were out building the thing, and Karen was figuring out where the money went and when it was coming in. And that's kind of how we operated. It's not an idea that the man goes and runs everything, okay? Then uh, I talked on Wednesday that submission is not about oppression, Some men think it's about oppression. You know what? I have never heard a mature Christian man ever say to his wife, hey, you're supposed to respect me and submit to me. It's not in their vocabulary. I've never said that to Sandy. She's never said to me, you need to love me like Christ loves the church. When you're saying that to one another, you have no respect and the love is gone. You got to figure out how to repent and let the Lord put it back into the relationship. For a biblical marriage, and this is extremely important, both have to participate. You can't do it alone. I remember some song we had back, a country song that said, but a love affair for one can never be. Remember, it was Olivia Newton-John or somebody. A marriage of one cannot be. It just cannot be. I've seen many Christians who maybe were married to a rebellious believer, perhaps, And the marriage didn't last because both have to participate. If you don't, one will become so miserable, it becomes intolerable. They'll either, uh, you know, who knows what they'll do. They'll run off, run off with some high school sweetheart or some kind of crazy thing. But they just get so wearisome of it all. Both have to participate. If one's doing it all, it ain't going to work. I've lost control. Uh, Advance it for me, please. 
Michael, would you please advance the slide for me? I, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so this is a good biblical definition I saw of submission. Biblical submission is the divine calling of a wife to honor and affirm her husband's leadership and help carry it through according to her gifts. It's the disposition to follow a husband's authority and an inclination to yield to his leadership. It's an attitude that says, I delight for you to take the initiative in our family. I am glad when you take responsibility for things and lead with love. I do not flourish in the relationship when you are passive, and I have to make sure the family works. I'm sure that a few women in here could probably amend that, where they felt like they were floating the whole boat. Then there were five things that I wanted to make clear. Biblical submission does not mean you agree with your husband on everything. I've never met a godly woman that I can think of who agreed with her husband on everything. You don't have to. That's not submission. What submission is, is that when you disagree, you do so respectfully. You don't denigrate your husband. Two, it doesn't mean, and I love to say this, that a wife leaves her will and leaves her brain at the altar. She brings her brain and her will with her, all right? It is, however, learning to voice your thoughts and ideas in a way that honors your husband's role. It doesn't mean avoiding influence, in, influencing your husband. Women can see problems that men don't see. Women have insight that men don't have. I'll get all excited about, we need to go do this and go do that, and Sandy go, you know, maybe we need to talk about this. That's how she'll put it. She doesn't say to me, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Are you really that stupid? Okay. <laughs> Those words don't come out of her mouth. She goes, you know, maybe it wouldn't be a good thing if we sold everything and moved to Alaska. Maybe we ought not to do that. I never suggested that. But, you know, men are adventuresome, and they come up with some real crazy stuff. I can think of one where I was in uh, Colorado with the kids all in a van, and I drove right out to the edge of a cliff, and she finally, that voice ratcheted up, Faber, you need to put this in reverse. We need to get out of here. And I did, and I can't believe I did something so stupid. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, well, but it didn't traumatize him that bad then, but mother was near the point of being traumatized. Biblical submission does not mean putting the will of your disobedient husband before the will of God. Husbands can be bullies. They can say, no, you're not going to church. You know what you say? I'm going to church because God told me to go to church. And, it, and it's hard to do that kind of stuff because then you have to suffer the consequences of, a, of an abuse, Okay. Let's not dwell on that. It hurts sometimes. Biblical submission never means that a wife is to respond out of fear. We don't become leaders of the home out of, out of fear and intimidation. Now, ladies, you no longer have to listen to anything I'm going to say. Because I'm now going to talk to men about how husbands love their wives. Paul Britton, one of our deacons, asked me today, it says love our wives, but pastor, what does that really mean? Guys, I'm going to show you what I think it means. There's four things in that scripture today that we're told to do. If you kind of pick them out, one is we lead, we love, we sacrifice, and lastly, we leave and cleave, okay? We're going to talk about each of those things. 
Inside of all of these, as Sandy and I talked, a woman needs safety. And you can nod your head if you agree with me. She needs security and she needs stability. When there's a man in the home that threatens the home with insecurity and with a lack of safety and with no stability, the wheels come off. It doesn't work. We guys, the crazier it gets, the more excited we are. Women are not that way. Is that right, Audrey? You don't want it that crazy. You'd like some stability. Number one, women, uh, men are to lead. Husband is the head of his wife. That's what Paul, that's what the Bible says. But he is called to do it by the Lord, and he does it with love. If he doesn't do it with love, it's not the right kind of leadership, okay? I thought about this. The Lord is my strength. Okay, if we're to love like God loves, remember, be God imitators, what does God do? It says, he is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts, and I am helped. As I began reading that, I thought, that's what I'm supposed to do for her. I am supposed to be her strength. When she doesn't have it, I'm to grab her and help her along, right? Ladies, does this feel good? I am to be her shield. When she can't defend herself from stuff, I'm to be there to shield that. And then I'm to be her helper. Well, wait a minute. I thought she was your helpmate. She is. But this is what the Lord does, and I'm to love her like God loves me. So this is part of that loving. I also thought of Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. This is God talking to me and her. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Men, we need to strengthen and uphold our women, our wives. I can hear Janie back there amen in me. I appreciate that somebody's getting it. First Peter tells us that women are the weaker vessel. It doesn't mean that they're inferior. But generally speaking, um, some women we have are maybe stronger than me, but generally speaking, I'm stronger than most women in here, okay? It means that they are worthy of our protection. Pastor Larry talks about that, that we're born to be rescuers, and he, and he cites Psalm 91 of that. And it's true. Men love to rescue a damsel in distress if they're any kind of a man. What woman would let, what man would let a woman be tied to a railroad track while the train was coming to kill her? We all want to be Dudley Do-Right, don't we? Amen. We do if we have any character. I mean, that's what I want to do. I want to be the hero, all right? So we're to be the hero and the rescuer to our wives. They are the part and worthy of our protection. It's part of the stuff that God puts in the men who are going to act like men. So questions, do you have your wife's back? Or do you make digs at her? I've, I've known husbands who claim to be Christians that literally cut their wives down in front of others. That is despicable, guys. It's horrible. Some of you women have, I'm sure, been subjected to that. Nothing will destroy that respect quicker than that kind of attitude. Amen? So do you have her back? Do you denigrate her? Do you talk her down? Secondly, we are to love as Christ loves the church. So I was talking to Larry about this, and he said, well, how about 1 Corinthians 13? It tells us what that love is to look like. I don't want to see this. Aaron, you don't want to see this. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, can I say Faber is patient? Faber's kind. He doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. Faber's not proud. Look out, Tim. You're laughing. I'll put your name in there. <laughs> it does not dishonor others. 
It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That means putting stuff in that bag. Well, remember when we were, when we were 23, you said blah, blah, blah. But, hey, we're in our 60s now. Come on. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It protects, always trusts, hopes, perseveres. And then in Colossians 3.19, Paul actually tells us, and I think it's because it's our nature to be harsh. And I have to apologize to my wife. Bless her heart. She tells me things she'd like me to do, and then she tells me how to do it, okay? And every time she does it, I fall back into that trap. Janie, don't you laugh at me. And I kind of get mad again. I say, you can tell me what to do, but don't tell me how to do it, all right? It's a harsh reaction. And Paul tells me to not be harsh with her. We were pulling weeds yesterday. She told me where to grab the weed, you know, and I love her. I said, well, it's easier for me to get it higher than you want me to because I have more leverage. And I had to, which was true. Anyway, you know, I'm just telling you all these personal things because it helps you realize you're not out there alone, okay? That it's the stuff of being a human that just comes and it's what we deal with. Is this helping you, Paul, Paul, about how you really do love her like Christ loves the church? If so, if you want to be a good lover, Paul, if you want to be a good lover, Tim, be an imitator of God. And do these things that Paul talks about and how love really is, because God is love. Amen? Amen? Then we go on. The husband is called to sacrifice. This is probably the one I don't like the most, or I like it the least. Sacrifice means that I've got to give up some things or thoughts or ideas for her that are precious to me. I have all kinds of things that I want to do. And I want to do them when I want to do them, okay? But sacrifice, Mike, means you lay those things down. And I know I'm getting away from the spiritual things here about, you know, we understand that Jesus was the sacrifice for our sins. But a lot of times, this little congregation just needs this rubber meets the road kind of stuff. That's why I told y'all when you called me, I said, y'all must be a rough bunch because God called a lawyer to be your pastor. And yes, I've kept some of you out of prison, and you know who I'm talking about. And it's okay. I love that. That's the kind of congregation I want to have. We are to be dedicated to her, devoted to her physical and spiritual welfare. Show her she has nothing to fear in submitting to us. You know, what would be more horrible than to think, I got to submit to this person, and they're an ogre, and they're terrible to me. And they're demanding of me in ways that I can't perform. I can't do these things, okay? And then Sandy keeps saying this over and over because she told me, she said, you know, the thing I think that I enjoy most about you as a husband, she said, is you make me feel secure. And I thought about that. Isn't that what God does for us? Doesn't Christ, Barbara, give us total security? He gives us security that no matter how crazy the world gets, he will never leave me or forsake me, that he is still in control. He gives me eternal security that when this old body dies, my spirit and my soul will be with him forever and ever and ever. Security is the thing, I think, the biggest thing other than my salvation that God gives to me. So I think he's telling something to us. Just like Harley said, security is what that woman needs. Financial security. 
I practice as a lawyer. 90% of the couples that came to me for divorce, it involved the husband shirking his duties to provide financial security. I'm serious. They would come to me and sit down, and, and Gail, I know you've heard these same kind of clients. And I would say, well, let's figure this all out now. How much money does he give you each month for you to go buy groceries? Guys, 90% of the women told me he gives me nothing. Can I tell you how shocked I was? Maybe some of you in here don't give your wives any money. Shame on you. Shame on you. Is that providing security? Shame on you. I had a daddy that at the first of the month gave my mother a check till the day he died. I saw the checks in his checkbook, and not only that, he provided for many other widows that were in distress. He would have a little check to widow Susie or widow Judy, and he took care of these people, and he had a heart for that kind of protection and being a hero. That was my role model. So when I married this precious gift that God gave me, the first month I made $340 a month. Ken's going to calculate it all out. He's our budget guy. Ken, guess who got the money at the beginning of the month? Sandy got what she needed to run our little household. It was about maybe $150 that paid the rent, paid for our, we went and bought the cans. Our, our first grocery shopping we went to was in a snowstorm. And I remember we were carrying the groceries back on our head on paper bags and they started to melt and the canned goods would fall into the snow and we didn't know where they were. We were down in the snow digging for our food, okay? But I did that. My mother and Sandy have never had to ask, beg, or suggest that I give her what she needs to run the home. That is how it looks to love your wife as Christ loves the church. No begging involved. So sometimes tell me, hey, uh, I hate to say anything, but do you realize it's the 11th of the month? What that means is, hey, you forgot about me. She was always loving in that way. Secondly, if you desire submission, start providing financially. They go, my wife doesn't respect me. Well, what are you doing for her? Don't expect your wife to float the family boat, all right? People would come into my office. I couldn't believe it. She don't love me no more. I said, well, how much do you give her to provide for you and y'all's five kids? Well, I don't really give her anything. She's got to go get it on her own. Really? And I would ask them, what does she get out of this marriage? She gets me. I thought, wow, who would want you? How horrible could that be? I mean, I don't know what men, where they come from, what planet they're from. All right, basic financial security is what I'm talking about. This doesn't mean you have to support your wife's crazy uh, hobbies. You know, that she wants to just pick something that costs a whole lot of money. We can all, think, you don't have to buy her an airplane to learn to fly. You don't have to. Buy her, buy her a racehorse to go run in the Kentucky Derby or all these kind of things. It's talking about basic security. It doesn't mean whims like all the clothes she wants or makeup or even her past financial failures or debts or supporting extended family members. I'd have couples come in and they'd go, man, I don't mind supporting her, but she's got like three sisters and she wants me to support all them and their kids. No, that's not what the Bible tells you to do. It tells you to provide for her. Then she needs emotional security. Because he loves me, this is Psalm 91, Larry, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him and I will be him in with him in trouble. 
I will deliver him and honor him. This is the Lord talking about those who trust in him, okay? So I think we can kind of think of that also, that we should give our wives as much as we can emotional security. Now, I've told you all always that everyone wants to feel loved and accepted, to have value and worth, and wants to fit in. And I also tell you that that can only be filled by whom? Who? By the Lord. I can't give her all that, but I can let Sandy know that she's number one. I have a very generous wife emotionally. She loans me out to all of you all. I come to your homes. I hug you. I cry with you. I love you. I take care of you. I pasture you. But I guard the intimacy that I have with her. She lets me go uh, fishing. (laughs) You weren't supposed to bring that up. I'm going to minister to all of those other fishermen down there. Anyway, the point of all that is how do I guard it? You guys probably think we just hold each other's hands and gaze into each other's eyes and look into each other's eyes for hours. We don't. We get very little time together. But every day, we find one another before we start our day. We pray together. We drink our coffee together. She doesn't anymore because of her heart issue. I drink my coffee, and she listens to me. So we pray together. We have a little conversation together, and we have our coffee together. And we guard that intimacy. And why do I do that? So she'll know she's number one, right, Janie? I've got a number two and a three and a four and a five and a six, and i got a number of all of y'all, okay? But I've got a number one, and I let her know that she's number one. That's real important. That's part of how a man loves a woman as Christ loves the church. That's what I believe. So I guard that emotional bond. I guard that intimacy, and I never threaten her emotional security. How could I threaten her emotional security? I could go, well, gosh, I, you know, you, I, have you noticed how beautiful Susie looks? She sure is looking nice and young or whatever. I'm just making, exaggerating something silly. Janie, you're getting a kick out of this. I never think that would make her celosa, you know. You know, you, tú, tú comprendes lo que estoy diciendo. So I don't do those things. I guard her. I don't gaze on other women. I might see them go by, but I don't gaze on them, okay? Because she's number one, and she knows she's number one, and it's my job, according to the Bible, Paul, for you to make Barbara know she's number one. That's part of that. That's emotional security. I can't fill all of her needs, but I can fill some. Love, and this is real important, it is not something you feel. It's something you do. Guys, sometimes we feel all that love, and sometimes we don't feel it at all. But the Bible doesn't say, hey, husbands, feel like you want to love your wife and then go love her. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her. We give ourselves up in many, many kind of ways. We could talk about this for months. But today, I just have to share the things that have come into my mind. And there are things that have worked in my marriage for me to try, because I cannot do this on my own. I cannot love her like Christ loves the church in my own strength. I just can't do it. But I can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That is how a man does that. Yeah, you can applaud, Janie. When a man consciously makes his wife feel safe, secure, and significant, 
If the woman is emotionally well, sometimes they're not. Sometimes women are just emotionally ill, okay? And a guy can do all of that, and she still is so into herself, she doesn't respect him. Okay, that's, that's doomed. Unless something changes, that's a doomed situation. If the woman, woman is emotionally well, she can't help but responding with admiration and respect. And then spiritual security. We're to be the leaders of the home, okay? We are to be consistent that the way I talk to her is the way I talk out in the byways. Otherwise, how's she going to respect me if I'm a hypocrite, right? If I go and talk to Frank or Devin and give him this counsel and that, she sees I don't even take my own counsel. Women, what's she going to think of me, more or less? Less. You big phony. (laughs) You're just a big phony. That's what she'll be thinking. And she ought to think that. I should be in the Word. Sometimes it convicts me. I'll just kind of be doing this and that, and then I'll go into her thing, and she's just doing her Bible study. And I think, man, I need to go in there and do my Bible study, all right? We learn from our wives. We learn from their holiness. That's what Paul, Peter says that uh, they all, and I think Paul also say that, that you know, sometimes the unbelieving husband is, is one to the Lord just through the wife's obedience and her kindness and the way she is in the Lord. Be in prayer. She knows I pray. Be holy. What is doing holy things? Nobody, Larry, you can't answer this. What has Pastor Larry taught us? If he dies tomorrow, goes to be with the Lord, what do we learn to him about holiness? Someone tell me. Don't make him think his total ministry is a waste here, all right? If it makes God smile. Thank you, Ken. Ken's going to heaven. All right? Yeah, if the things you're thinking, doing, and saying, don't shake your head, Wayne. He's like, what, what, there's some bad theology going on there. I'm teasing. It doesn't get you to heaven. But if you're thinking and doing and saying things that make God smile, put a God on, smile on God's face, just imagine it that way. Those are holy kinds of things. And your wife needs to see that kind of conduct in you. And then walk the talk. <clears throat> don't be a fake. Walk the talk. Don't be double-minded. Don't be wishy-washy. Don't be a fence-sitter. Walk the talk. And it just that a woman can respect a man. I think women desire a man like this. Am I right or wrong? If your woman say amen. And most women would yield to a leader if he was willing to lead and do it in a kind and godly and great way. Men don't want to do it because it's work, okay? It's work, isn't it, Mike? Ken and these men that have been married a long time. Don't say it too loud. Yes, sir, it's hard work. Anyway, we walk the talk. So last, what does it mean to leave and cleave? You can't see it at the top. I'm talking about the part of the scripture where it says, for this reason, a man shall leave his uh, father and leave his home and the two shall be one, okay? Verse 31 means that a husband comes out from under his father's authority. When I married her, I was no longer part of my dad's household. I love my dad, love my mom, but she became my priority and that became our home. And we became as one in the real sense of the word physically. No bond is more close than the sexual bond, I would imagine, between a man and a woman. And God put us together, okay, and made us one. We had our own home. And then we had a spiritual connection. A couple will share things with one another that they don't share with anyone else. And also, I will say that to become intimate, you have to be vulnerable, And with vulnerability comes the warning, guys, don't hurt that person. Because what happens when someone is vulnerable and they get hurt, what goes up? 
walls go up, don't they? Why do walls go up? Because people don't want to get hurt again. So we need to be in the business, guys, of trying to get the walls lowered by not taking advantage of vulnerability and hurting. And I would say even that's wives to husbands. Intimacy gets broken when feelings have been hurt. Walls go up, the intimacy goes down, and it leads to dissatisfaction. Those couples that came in to get a divorce, none of them said to me, everything in my marriage is bad, but gosh, the intimacy is great. They just, they, that got lost a long time ago. They stopped being one. They stopped talking. They stopped sharing. They stopped having coffee together. They became selfish and wanted things their way, demanding of their spouse to change and do things the way they wanted them, him or her to do it, and the marriage became destroyed. A love affair for one can never be. Maybe I should have named this that. It takes two to tango, Dad would always say. People would come to me. I've got all these problems in my marriage. It's my wife's fault. I would go, gosh, Dad always said it took two to tango. Somehow, both have a hand in things that go wrong. Now, I realize sometimes somebody just goes off crazy. I do realize that. But most of the time, it takes two to tango. Sometimes somebody just tangos off to wherever. There's nothing we can do about it. So, he is then looking out for her and making her feel safe. So how do I end this thing? I think I end it the way that Paul did. I just want to tell you all, it's difficult. It's difficult. I have been married to this lady for 43 years, okay? I'm still working at it. She's still working at it. It is difficult. It, is, it takes proactive doing. It's Larry spending time with Michelle saying, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's talk. It, it, Frank and Janet, you're not getting so busy doing your own thing. You have that time back together. Frank, what's going on? I don't know, Janet, what's going on? And you, and, and the sharing that happens, guarding the intimacy, it's a, it's a continual thing. And what happens is if you don't guard it, it's kind of like a garden. This just popped in my mind. If you don't weed it and if you don't water it and you don't fertilize it, what happens to a garden? It dies. And marriages are the same way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that tells us that this formula that maybe we don't like because it requires so much of us, Lord, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I know that you can give me the strength to love my wife as you even love me, love the church. And Lord, you can give the ladies in here that are married the Holy Spirit power to respect their husbands, Lord, and to respect him maybe a little bit beyond what he deserves. Lord, because Satan wants to destroy us. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and that includes our marriages. That they would be thrown away and would become a statistic that's read in a book, and they would do nothing in bringing others to Christ. So help us that are in here married today to recommit ourselves, Lord, to you, because we both have to submit to you, Lord, in order for men to know how to love and for women to know how to respect and, and submit. Help us through this, Lord. We can do this through your Holy Spirit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. We're going to take up the offering now.
and we're going to take it up to I'll Fly Away. Please, nobody fly away. Put your money in the offering. I'll ask, ask the deacons to come up. everybody for being here today. I want us to pray for Sherry and Bill. They took their first cross-country trip in their 18-wheeler, and they're trying to get home from Wyoming and all that safely. So let's stand, and uh, we'll have the Aaron's blessing. You guys try to make it on Wednesday. It'll be wonderful. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, and may he give you peace. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, guys.